Welcome to Ikigai Stories. I'm Sam Yushio. The goal of this podcast is to showcase people who are living with intention, working hard to align actions with priorities, and ultimately to provide a platform of inspiration for those seeking a life rooted in purpose. Evan Afline is a 22-year-old CEO and co-founder of Seattle Strong Coffee, a cold brew company born out of an entrepreneurship program at the University of Washington. Nine students developed the concept in a two-quarter class called Creating a Company, and two years later, it's a thriving, profitable beverage company with corporate accounts at Facebook, Microsoft, and Tableau. In addition, they're expanding their retail footprint into traditional grocers like Metropolitan Market and next-gen grocers like Amazon Go. Launching a successful coffee company in the backyard of the world's most iconic coffee brand takes a unique blend of smarts and scrappiness. Evan and co-founder Emmy Thylan have Seattle Strong Coffee, a bootstrapped business, on a success trajectory that's impressive for any enterprise, let alone a company led by two millennials one year removed from undergraduate graduation. Evan discusses the shift in his mentality that made Seattle Strong Coffee a personal reality. He initially wanted the company to be successful before he would fully commit. But eventually he realized that the company's success was dependent upon his commitment. That insight shifted both his mindset and behavior. That's a challenge that most of us face. We want everything to be perfect before we can fully commit. We play it safe and we use uncertainty as a scapegoat for taking action. Evan reminds us that the bridge to success requires commitment, risk, and discomfort. Winning the battle with the person in the mirror can be the biggest difference maker on the path to success. Before we kick off the episode, a quick introduction of the new Ikigai Insight tool. This free nine question framework is designed to help you better understand the key drivers of your personal Ikigai. The number one value that people aspire to live by so far, authenticity. You can learn more at www.ikigaiinsight.com. Now, please enjoy Ikigai Stories, episode number eight, with Evan Afline, CEO and co-founder of Seattle Strong Coffee. Evan, thank you for being here. Thank you, Sam. Yeah, excited to be here. Yeah, can you? Uh, so, can you tell us about Seattle Strong Coffee? Totally. Um, yeah, Seattle Strong is a local cold brew coffee company uh, to Seattle. We were founded out of the University of Washington, uh, just out of the entrepreneurship program. Uh, we were founded out of a class, actually. So we had a group of nine people, and we got together to figure out a project that we had to do for two quarters. Um, it's kind of a unique class and program to the University of Washington. I know there's some other schools out there that do it. Uh, but yeah, we really focused in on the actual entrepreneurship experience. So we started out with uh, the first quarter, you come up with, you find a team, you come up with an idea, and you get it together, you write a business plan, and then at the end of that quarter, you actually pitch for funding. So UW has its own fund that they give you startup funds from. Uh, so we did that, we got the funding, and then um, we came up with this idea of just doing cold brew coffee. And this was about January of 2017 when we started talking about it, uh, and this was a little bit before cold brew really started to take off. So that summer is when Starbucks really did like their cascara cold brew. Mm -hmm. You started to see it on shelves everywhere. Some town was really coming out with it, Chameleon, um, Cologne. So we were kind of just right there at the right time. And then the second quarter, uh, we had to actually like run the business. So we were given our initial funding to kind of do our first brew, do our first batch, uh, and then we had to sell it. So we had nine people, just everyone going around and selling it to all their friends, their family. Uh, we got a couple retail locations. Um, and then we actually got a major corporate account. So we got connected into food service in the greater Seattle area and were able to get into an actual office. Nice. And so that is what kind of kept the company going. Uh, we, we built the company to this point around that single initial account and then kind of built it off of that. And that's what kind of gave us the validation and the idea to continue with the company. Um, we had the great experience in the class as a team of nine, and then after the class, three of us went forward and we, we uh, bought the company back from UW, and then we ran it. Um, so we did that with internships during that summer. I held two internships and ran the company on the side. Wow. Um, and then I did my senior year, um, and then my two partners did their senior year, and one of them did the master's program as well. 
uh, master's in entrepreneurship. Um, so then, yes, yeah, so we did our senior years. We're running it. We're missing class. We're doing <laughs> all kinds of stuff. I mean, there were times when I was like, just like, yeah, just straight up missing whole days of class to go deliver kegs of cold brew to like South Seattle um, and just stuck in traffic. And like all of my professors weren't happy with me because I would just be sitting on my laptop responding to emails and filling out like, you know, the things that businesses need and figuring that out. Um, and actually then, yeah, so then uh, June, my senior year with graduation, uh, we, we all graduated from our respective programs and we went full time. So we started our own company out of college. Um, and one thing that I'm super proud of is we actually bootstrapped the whole company the whole way. Yeah. Um, so yeah. when we got our initial funding from UW, it wasn't even enough to pay for our first brew. So we floated our company on net 30 terms for that first brew where it was basically like we didn't even have the money to pay for it. So we wow. just had to sell. We had to sell all of it to even pay for it. Wow. And we initially thought that kegs were going to fly. We thought we could get kegs into bars, into restaurants, that kind of stuff. We did. We had no idea how that worked, um, how kegerators are complicated, expensive. There's different gas types. Like it's a whole thing. Um, and our bottles, I remember our first brew was 400 bottles. And uh, a really cool thing about that is our first brew was actually two years ago, like almost to the day today. Um, okay. So our first ever brew was on 420 of 2017. Okay. Um, which is actually also National Cold Brew Day. Okay. Um, aside from being 420. <laughs> um, so that's something that's really cool because yeah. this is actually the beginning of our third year of having production yeah. in a couple of days. Um, but yeah, so the bottles like flew and we thought like 400 bottles, how are we going to sell 400 bottles of cold brew? Yeah. Um, and it went really well. How so quickly did those 400 sell? It was roughly? like a week and a half. Oh, like wow. it was nuts. Yeah. Wow. Um, so people really liked it. We were like doing pop-ups. We were like there and like they just flew. Yeah. Um, and then on top of that, uh, were you still in school? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we were selling okay. it on campus mostly. Okay. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we just kind of built the company a little more around that. But then we got the corporate account. And that's yeah. where they ordered, like, 30 cases originally. Um, and so we don't work directly with them. We work with, um, like, food service companies. But that first account was actually Facebook of Seattle. Okay. And so they um, bought it through the food service company. We were beverage of the month. And then their employees liked it enough that we've been beverage of the month for the last two years. Nice. Um, which has been really cool. Nice. And so nice. we kind of built our company around that initial like solid volume and account and then providing what people actually want in cold brew. Um, so we actually had no idea about coffee or cold brew when we got into this company, but we just kind of looked into what we wanted. Um, there was actually uh, not much out there of a smooth, easy to drink cold brew coffee. Mm -hmm. And we didn't even know that that's like what we were going to provide. We just knew what we liked. And then we found out that other people like that too. And then we found out that there was this huge missing space in the industry. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, one very interesting thing about Seattle is it has the cold, like the coffee culture in the past, right. but it's kind of like faded. You know, there's a huge coffee culture in California now, in Texas, in New York. Um, and there's actually like, not many, there's Cafe Vita, there's Cafe Lazaro, there's Cafe Umbria. There's a lot of really great cafes and roasters here. Um, but in the cold brew like space, we are the foremost cold brew company in Seattle. Mm -hmm. um, and especially for the coffee culture and how competitive it is here. Um, that's just something that's really interesting to me. Yeah. That, uh, that we, we became that. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to back you up a little bit. Totally. So the, um, when you won the business plan competition, you were a junior, is that right? Um, the nine of you. So the nine of you formed a team in a in a class. Yes. It was a bigger. Cl it was more. There were more than nine people yeah. in the class. So we actually did that during our senior years. Okay. Um, okay. Because the business plan competition was during the class, and when it came up uh, while we were in the class, we just weren't ready for it. We had no idea. Mm -hmm. um, and then our senior years, after we had been doing the company for like a year and a half almost. Uh, or I guess maybe a year. Um, then we did the BPC because we actually had like a business plan and we got into the top 16 companies. Mm -hmm. um, we won the best, the Accenture Best Consumer Product Idea Prize, which was awesome. Um, and then we, uh, yeah, we just did well 
with the BVC, and we got to connect with a lot of really great people. So what was the what was the class that you took? That um, what was the catalyst for all this? Yeah, so it's it's just part of the entrepreneurship track. Okay. Um, so okay. I was an entrepreneurship focus in the business program, mm -hmm. and then there's also the entrepreneurship minor. So there's different ways to take the class. Um, but it's called creating a company, and it's okay. just the yeah, that's like the capstone for okay. the entrepreneurship program. Okay. Um, so to get that degree, you have to go through this class, basically. Okay. And the the business plan competition that you won, this or this the, the seed that you got, was that? Did yeah. you win the competition? No, we okay. didn't. Were, um, but they, we got funded. Yes. So we got we got a two thousand five hundred a two thousand five hundred dollar prize. Okay. And so okay. we we got into the top sixteen from like one hundred and plus companies. Yeah. Um, but then the last round, they do four companies to a room, yeah. and you're competing against the companies in that room. Gotcha. And the room we were in was also with A Alpha Bio, and they're a fantastic company, and they won the whole thing. Okay. And yeah. so we didn't have a chance to be top four, but I think we, we would have been. So, <laughs> so the, so the 2,500 mm -hmm. was the initial seed. You bootstrapped oh, no. with that so 2,500. So I'm trying yeah. so oh, to totally. figure out the mechanics of... How you bootstrapped it with 400 bottles yeah. on a net 30 term. Yeah. And then how that totally, how that little you know, spark yeah. turned into a, to a big fire. Totally. Um, so what we did is in the class, so, so the, the other funding has been super helpful. So we actually mm -hmm. did the Jones and Foster Accelerator as well okay. after the BPC. Okay. Um, and then and we, that's, can, can you describe what that is? Yeah. So it's, uh, it's like a kind of like a middle step. So the BPC is while you're still like kind of in class and you're still like, usually students with a company. Mm -hmm. The Jones and Foster Accelerator is for companies that are like full-time. So you have to have at least one full-time member. Um, and it's essentially that you have a board of advisors, you get together with them, and they're usually UW alumni or UW associated that have been successful in their businesses. And then they get together with you and fill out a bunch of milestones. Mm -hmm. And then if you meet all those milestones and they provide advice with you every month with a board meeting, uh, then you receive $25,000 of non-dilutive funding um, at the end of that. So we did do that, and that's been super helpful. Um, but how we did it originally was during the class, we received like $1,300 in funding, mm -hmm. and that wasn't enough to pay for that first brew. Um, so we just sold it all, and then with the profit, we just kind of kept rolling over the profit. Gotcha. So we didn't take a paycheck until June of 2018. So we worked for like a year on it, a, year, a little over a year before we went full time before without taking any money. Yeah. So we built up the uh, kind of the nest egg in the bank um, and just kind of kept rolling over the profit to okay. to do that. And then that was our runway. So we went full time in June after graduation and we used that money to get to cash flow positive. Gotcha. Um, and so, so you took your first paycheck after graduation. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So okay. We, we put in a lot of time and effort before even touching any of the money. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So let's let's talk about the actual company itself. Yeah. So Seattle Strong Coffee, um, what does it look like today? So today it is, uh, it's me and Emily full-time. Um, we're, we're the two full-time founders. And then we have a part-time co-founder, uh, Colin who does a lot of the marketing and the web design um, and helps build our kind of online presence and targeted advertisements to get the word out about our product. Um, right now, it's been a huge emphasis on corporate. So we've, we've been going directly to corporations. I'll just walk in the door and just start talking to people. And I'll bring coffee, and I'll try and get to the right person. Um, it's typically office managers or facility managers that you know manage the space that the employees are in. Um, and so we, we come in kind of with the idea that we can show them how, how much people want cold brew and how much people appreciate and enjoy a good cold brew. Mm -hmm. um, this is something I really didn't think about until we were in this, is just how important food and drink is just in general, but especially in a working environment where mm -hmm. like even just having that kind of shitty K-cup experience just kind of isn't like it, how much that impacts your mood and your day mm -hmm. and yeah. your willingness to work your your morale yeah. and so that's something that we've kind of noticed with a lot of especially tech companies is the emphasis on morale and the emphasis on those kind of perks those benefits but then also just kind of that experience and making you know work as pleasurable as it can be and then hopefully if it's something that you want to do then pleasurable entirely mm -hmm. um 
Is that part of your pitch to the, yeah, to the so office we, manager or the decision maker? It helps when, when they already have cold brew on tap or available in the office because then we can just provide a better cold brew. Yeah. Um, so that helps for sure. But that is, that's a huge part of it is we come in, we do tastings, and enough, if enough employees enjoy it, then it's something that they value to bring in and provide. Mm-hmm. Um, and at this point, yeah, we've done, we've done very well with that in Seattle. It helps being local, and it helps. We've had a lot of support just as a student company. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been out there just, yeah, putting boost payment, doing it. Um, and so we work with almost all of the distributors in the greater Seattle area that work with offices. Uh, and our, our coffee can be found on the Microsoft campus now in their, uh, their grab-and-go section. It can be found in catering with Microsoft Campus. It can be found in the Facebook and Oculus Rift offices. It can be found in the Tableau offices, um, Pitchbook, Bitrex, uh, and just and just a ton more. So we've just been doing a really good job of of making it available wherever people want it, and then uh, and then focusing on making it a product that people want. Yeah. So what what makes um, strong strong? Mm. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, that's something that we actually kind of had to figure out because it, w- it wasn't really planned on the name or the logo. Mm-hmm. It just kind of happened. Um, and so we've kind of attributed strong to, to three things. Um, there is the, the strength of the coffee, um, which is typically associated with flavor when people say strong. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do actually have a very smooth coffee. So it doesn't exactly fit there. Um, but we, we wanted to make sure that it's like you get those strong notes of coffee uh, without it being over overbearing because one thing that we've always uh, appreciated is the ability to drink coffee without cream or sugar Mm -hmm. and so that's a huge emphasis that we have um, is to make sure you get those strong coffee flavor without it being overpowering is something you need to mute Uh, but then also caffeine it's incredibly strong Uh, so our cold brew one can of our cold brew is about three cups of coffee and then one can of our new nitro dirty chai flavor is about two cups of coffee so when we're talking caffeine and strength it's very strong and then kind of the third thing is just a little bit about culture. Our, th- our three tenants are uh, craft, caffeine, and culture, and it's focusing on the craft of our product, um, the caffeine that drives us, and then just the culture of Seattle. So kind of just like a strength, strength of the Seattle culture and the coffee culture specifically. Mm-hmm. And I know that there's um, some kind of unfortunate association with that, especially on the East Coast, um, but for here, it's just something that we're just proud of Seattle, and we're proud of Seattle's coffee culture and history. And uh, we wanna be what cold brew is meant to be. We want to show people what cold brew should be, and then we want to be Seattle's cold brew, and then we want to be the country's cold brew. Yeah. So the part about the unfortunate, what I missed that. Oh, what, like Boston what? Strong. It oh, wasn't, yeah. Oh, gotcha, so we've gotcha. had some I questions see. about I that. See. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, yeah. And it, it wasn't the intention. It yeah. was it was not the intention at all. It was just it just yeah. kind of happened, and then we we saw how it fit with just Seattle Strong. And it's something that we can be proud of is just Seattle's history and culture and right. and what we're doing up here in the Pacific Northwest. Right. You know, we're right. leading a lot of things in sustainability, in just like cleanliness, um, access to food and water. And yeah, I'm proud of our growing tech central or tech hub up mm-hmm. here as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's a good place to be. So we're just proud of all those things. Yeah, so currently, um, on the shelves, mm-hmm. available retail, also corporate. Yeah. Um, and what does that look like? Like, what if, yeah. if someone's listening and they want to go into a store? What yeah. are they? What are they seeking out? So, um, yeah. So the big the big push has been offices up till now, just because that's what made the most sense and that's where we can make it available. But we long term want it to be a retail brand. We mm-hmm. want it to be something that you can get wherever you want it. Um, and so. We've just recently launched with Metropolitan Market up here in the in the Seattle area. Mm-hmm. Uh, we work with New Seasons, uh, the new Amazon Go stores, the Grab and Go stores. We've mm-hmm. been lucky to work with Amazon up here, um, Conan Steiner. So we work with a lot of uh, kind of independent and regional chains, and then we're also launching with about sixty independent locations. Yeah. Um, so we have a store locator on our website, and that's that's been the the whole kind of business model behind it was to to focus on corporate to build up kind of. The company. Um, one thing that we've learned, especially, is that with food and beverage, it is super easy to start a food and beverage company, but it is super hard to be a successful food and beverage company. Yeah. And there is so many different aspects, like for our products, cold storage, cold chain, cold distribution, everything. Um, it just makes it really difficult. And so working with these Seattle companies, and especially the, the locations in Seattle of these companies, allows us to kind of put ourselves in position to 
build our brand and to build mm -hmm. our, our fulfillment. Yeah. Um, long term, I mean, we, we want to be along the West Coast entirely and then hopefully the entire country. Yeah. Um, we want to build the availability of our product because we've learned that it is the best cold brew yeah. because we came at it with fresh eyes of what cold brew should be, um, what it can and should be. And that's something that, uh, you know, we've learned a lot is, is how much people are missing that. When we go in and do tastings, especially at these offices or retailers, we get so many people that say, oh, I don't like cold brew. And it's like, well, no, maybe you don't, but maybe you do. And so yeah. when we share with them, the, like I literally unprovoked every single time, like 70% of people will be like, whoa, that's so smooth. Or, whoa, I can drink that without cream or sugar. And like, whoa, that's really good. Mm -hmm. And that's the exact same thing we hear from a ton of people. And so we think we really have something in that, in that area. Um, and then to focus on low to no sugar and no cream, I think is important because when you drink a coffee every day, when it fuels the work that you do, it's important that it's something that you're putting into your body and that it affects your mood, it affects your health. And it's, it's something that I think just as a population, we're kind of moving towards right. as well. Right. Uh, so how did nine students come up with a smooth flavor profile yeah. that's punching at a pretty you know, high, high level? Um, democracy, actually. <laughs> um, we just, we, we partnered with some local roasters. We got some different bean blends in there. Um, and we just brewed a couple different samples. Mm -hmm. And we, especially back then, didn't really have sophisticated palates. We didn't know what we were doing. Um, but between all of us, we just kind of came up with what we liked. Yeah. And then over time, um, especially as the company has gone on, we've refined our blend and we've kind of honed in on the flavors that we like of nutty and chocolatey tones and the smoothness, um, focusing on a really high quality product and then uh, just kind of gotten better as we've gone along. Yeah. But yeah, it was just, we all tasted the different blends. It's like, well, I like this one for these reasons. I like this one for that reason. And then we just kind of ended up where we were. So no one had a, a background in coffee or food no. or beverage or um, anything we, like that? We do luckily have our, our, our head roaster as a company is super experienced in the coffee realm. Mm -hmm. um, and he's an advisor and our roaster. Mm -hmm. And so he had an idea of what we might be interested in based on what the like industry was doing. Yeah. But we kind of, I think, surprised them with how we, you know, the direction we went. Because yeah. it wasn't where the industry was where a lot of the options out there are so dark and bitter or they use over-roasted beans because that's what's easy. Mm -hmm. um, they take advantage of the lower acidity and the smoother taste to kind of make more money. They just, they, they don't put as much emphasis into the product or they drown it out with cream and sugar. And there's just nothing in the middle. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there will be more competitors in the middle in the future, especially when they've noticed <laughs> what, what we provide and that right. people like it. Right. Um, but yeah, that's where we want to focus on just having the right relationships and the right consistency of our products. And at the end of the day, um, yeah, we just hope we're providing something that people want. Yeah. How about the Seattle coffee culture? Can you just talk about that a little bit? I mean, yeah. obviously Starbucks is from Seattle totally. and there's a lot of roasters, but can you yeah. just kind of, for, for people who aren't here yeah, uh, and even for people who do live here, I mean, yeah. I think that's that's an interesting angle on just what, how would you define the Seattle coffee culture and, um, you know, how has it influenced Seattle strong coffee? Totally. I think, I think one of our strong advantages is that we didn't come from a background in coffee as we kind of came at it with that fresh perspective in Seattle. Seattle has a huge coffee culture, you know, looking at Starbucks, um, like it, it's something that's we're proud of. Starbucks though is more of like a cafe company. I mean, even I think Howard Schultz said it, they're an experience company. They're not mm -hmm. a coffee company, yeah. um, which is totally fair, uh, and I think that's incredible. And I don't think that we're honestly competing with them because we don't. We're not about. We're about the experience of the product, but we're not about the experience of where you drink the product. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, there's a ton of really reputable local roasters. I mean, I, I mentioned some of them earlier, um, like Cafe Ambia, Cafe Ladro, Cafe Vita. Cafe Vita is huge. Uh, they're mm -hmm. they're huge. They're actually like a Starbucks competitor, in my opinion. Um, but I think the emphasis is really just on coffee kind of locally there's there's kind of two levels of coffee culture i think there's the coffee culture of like the really close-knit like coffee industry um and then there's kind of just the larger like just kind of pride in coffee with seattle mm. um and so for that coffee culture there's a lot of really cool things going on a lot of uh, experimentation 
but it's it's so closed loop that it doesn't interact with kind of the greater Seattle population as much. Yeah. And so I think not that it's snooty because I think there is like a fair point to being really into your industry and having that expertise. Um, but I just think it's hard for just the average person to like get involved. And there's a lot of emphasis on these really like dark notes and kind of intensities that I think the average consumer doesn't really want. And mm -hmm. it, to some degree, it's that closed loop industry kind of just having that like echo chamber and going towards kind of this extreme place when it comes to coffee mm -hmm. that the majority of people who just drink coffee and appreciate it don't want. Yeah. Um, and so that's where like we came in with that, that fresh perspective and that's where we ended up with what we think people actually want and which we've seen people actually want. Um, but then at large with Seattle, I think there's just kind of this pride in coffee. And I think that I'm actually not sure where that came from exactly. I think it has a lot to do actually with Starbucks. Um, back when Starbucks was like just a few locations in Seattle and was growing, I think that's a huge, huge part of it, which is interesting now with the way people look at Starbucks. It's like, oh, Starbucks isn't even local. Starbucks is this huge company. But I mean, Starbucks is to thank for premium coffee. Right. I mean, that's where it came from. It right. used to be all Folgers. It used to be all just make a pot, like, and just burnt, you know, you had to suffer through your coffee. <laughs> that's like, that's what, you know, uh, that's what it was. And yeah. then Starbucks came in with this, this idea that people would pay three or four bucks for a cup of coffee or more now. And they were right. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of the two, two aspects I see is you know, we're actually, as a company, not as involved in that local or that closed loop system. Uh, we're more involved with just the general culture. And there mm. are a lot of people in Seattle that don't drink coffee at all, um, which I think is, you know, is totally understandable. Yeah. Um, we just want to be there for the people that really do want it. And to provide something that we don't want ourselves necessarily in that closed loop system, um, like in that way where it's like that echo chamber, but something that the customer actually wants. Yeah. Uh, so two products, yeah. Currently, um, is R and D a big focus for you guys? Do you totally you know, like? Are you continuing to push or look to push other products out? Yeah, we. Uh, so we. And what yeah, does we, that process look like? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a lot of just fun. Actually, mm. that's one of the coolest things. It's tough to roll out a new product, but it's it's a very fun thing to do. Mm -hmm. um, we have the classic nitro cold brew, uh, which is what we started with, with the bottles. We've refined our blend over the last two years, so we're really happy with where it's ended up. And we ended up uh, going from 12-ounce beer bottles to 12-ounce nitro cans. So we infuse all of our cans with liquid nitrogen, um, which pressurizes the can and then infuses it so that you can pour it out and get like a nitro foam, kind of mm -hmm. similar to a Guinness. Mm -hmm. um, so that's our classic. And then we have the Nitro Dirty Chai, which is a mix between that same classic cold brew and then a lightly sweetened chai tea. And that, uh, that has been doing really well. A lot of people really like it. And uh, with that same, same emphasis on low to no sugar, there is no cream in it, um, and it's only 18 grams of sugar. Mm -hmm. So it's 75 calories. It's still sugar, but it's, it's less than half a soda. So that's how we like to look at it is, yeah. is we're getting a really incredible flavor because of the smoothness of cold brew where we don't need to add as much cream or sugar to offset it. And then everything we do is actually uh, non-pasteurized. So it has to stay cold the whole time, which helps maintain flavor. Mm. I think long-term we're looking into some pasteurization options, uh, but we will always keep it cold because yeah. that's what maintains flavor. Um, and so, yeah, those are our two products. But, I mean, we have four different coffee bean blends that we're doing, especially with corporate, and we're working on getting out there into retail. We, we want to get more involved with regular coffee um, because we've also seen a lot of the same thing, where a lot of people want just a very smooth, easy-to-drink cup of coffee, and they don't necessarily even want to add cream. They do it because they need to. Mm -hmm. And so why not provide a product that's smooth enough to drink without that cream? Um, and so that's kind of a huge emphasis uh, that we put in all of our products. Um, but I mean, we're doing fun stuff too of looking at like different other flavors, whether it's like a French vanilla, like a nitro French vanilla or a nitro dark chocolate, something like that, mm -hmm. where again, low to no sugar, no cream, get these really great flavorful experiences that, that don't cost a lot of calories. Yeah. Um, but I mean, we're also doing this really cool stuff of working locally with a local bourbon manufacturer mm. to age uh, coffee beans in bourbon barrels. Wow. And then, uh, like, we're just doing fun stuff, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Something that we can, like, provide as 
kind of the penultimate local Seattle product where there's a crate manufacturer in South Park that can make little box crates that we'll put it in. The bags are uh, created in Renton. The coffee beans are roasted in South Park. The coffee beans are aged in barrels from Soto. Mm -hmm. um, and then it's all uh, kind of put together and then engraved by a local uh, kind of makerspace uh, group. Hmm. And so all of this together can make like a really cool penultimate local product where the only thing that's not local is the coffee itself, um, <laughs> which is kind of interesting. But so it's just fun stuff like that that is actually just kind of like a break from growing the business and, and doing all of the kind of work to do that and the fulfillment and the distribution to just kind of have fun with it and provide things that I think people want. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Competition-wise, who do you yeah. wh wh what do you see as competition? So as you're describing yeah. the caffeine content, I, I think of some of these um, energy drinks, yeah. um, you know, and obviously cold brew and obviously a cup of coffee. Like what wh when you look out at the landscape, who do you identify as competition? Yeah, that's uh, there's a lot of competition. Um, it's been tough, actually, to grow a coffee company in Seattle with how much competition there is, mm. especially when we're coming in, you know, kind of as new students type um, appearance uh, into this industry and trying to offer coffee, you know, and we're competing with roasters that have been available for decades with decades of experience and decades of relationships. Um, but we've been successful. And I think that that goes to show that we may be new, we may be fresh, but we we have that perspective and we have the creativity to compete. Um, there is a lot of competition. I, I said earlier that I don't view Starbucks as a competitor, mm -hmm. um, and I, I kind of don't. I mean, they have their own kind of space. We don't, we don't really uh, compete with them. They do have their um, cold brews in retail as well. They have different products like that. Um, we compete with them on some level in that way, but I think for the people that are really interested in cold brew, they're always gonna to go to the kind of the best product. Mm -hmm. um, there is a lot of competition in the cold brew space. Yeah. And so interestingly though, um, we are the foremost Seattle cold brew company. We do the most cold brew in Seattle um, because a lot of the roasters here appreciate cold brew and they provide a cold brew option, but it's not their focus. Mm -hmm. They're roasters who also brew, whereas we like to view ourselves as brewers who also roast yep. um, and really to like close in on this space. But I mean, there's, there's, yeah, there's um, Chameleon, there's Cologne, there's Califia, there's um, even like Starbucks, uh, like make at home cold brews. Mm. There's Blue Bottle now too doing that. There's a lot of competition in this space. We don't necessarily view energy drinks as competitors, yeah. um, especially from kind of a health conscious and sustainability <laughs> right, perspective. Right. Uh, we just think that the consumers that are interested in energy drinks may actually prefer ours from that health conscious view, but if they're looking for an energy drink, that's not necessarily how we look to provide our product. Yeah. Um, we just look to provide kind of an enjoyable consumption experience with the energy that you're looking for. Right. Um, where the emphasis is more really on cold brew itself. Like the cold brew is what we are. You know, we're not an energy drink. We're not just a coffee. We are cold brew and kind of building that segment as an idea where people look at it in a separate way, where right. it is its own thing. Right. Um, yeah. Is the caffeine content, the high caffeine content, a product of the cold brewing process? Yeah. So do all cold brews have a, a, an above average? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Right. yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's a kind of a combination. So we use a lighter roast. So one interesting thing, the darker the roast, the less caffeine. Mm. So when people say they really like a strong coffee, um, they're getting less caffeine. So they're mm. actually getting less energy, but they're getting more of that kind of darker flavor. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the lighter roasts have more caffeine in them because the roasting process destroys the caffeine molecule gotcha. because the heat kind of does that. And then the roasting process, um, especially with, uh, or sorry, with hot brew coffee, the, the hot water is like a flash to the bean. So that's where you get a lot of acidity pulled out of the bean and it destroys the caffeine molecule more. Mm. Um, so what we do is we use a lighter roast and then we also brew it for longer uh, and then we brew it kind of in a uh, like an the less agitated way. So it's more of like a tea. Um, so it's like a sun tea where we just let it soak and that kind of like lets it infuse the water with the flavor, with the caffeine. Um, and, then, and then we use that and we actually dilute our uh, concentrate quite a bit. Yeah. Um, so 
if we were to do just our concentrate, it would be like 600 milligrams of caffeine. Wow. Yeah, which is insane in, in a single cup. Yeah. Um, so it's a kind of combination. The cold brewing process is that because it's that tea with the cold water, it is lower in acidity because it's less aggressive to the bean. It pulls more caffeine out of the bean. And then we use a lighter roast, which leaves more caffeine in the bean. Okay. It's a kind of a combination. A lot of things. Okay. Okay. Uh, all right. So let's shift gears a bit. Let's Now let's talk about Evan and um, in your journey. So when you, when you went... Your freshman year at UW, did you anticipate uh, being one year? You're about one year removed, right, from yeah. from undergrad. Did you anticipate running a cold brew coffee company? Not at all. Not at all. Um, yeah, no, in no sh- way, shape, or form. I actually used to not even really drink coffee. Yeah. I would have the occasional Americano, and I appreciated it, but I was actually one of the individuals who didn't want to rely on coffee for getting up in the morning um yeah i don't know and actually like even now i don't actually need coffee in the morning which i find weird i can't tell whether i'm just so caffeinated at all times (laughs) that it doesn't matter or whether i just have some weird like non-reaction to caffeine because i've consumed so much of it um i'll like i'll pound three of our cold brews in just like a couple hours (laughs) exactly no i can yeah um so, yeah, so I had no idea I would be in, in coffee, and I'd always, like, heard of, you know, Seattle and coffee and whatever, but I'd actually come here mostly for the tech scene um, and the entrepreneurship scene. So I, I knew I would do something entrepreneurship. It's just always been in my nature. I actually, um, yeah, so I, I, I chose UW primarily for the entrepreneurship program. Mm-hmm. Um, they also have the Lavin Entrepreneurship Program, mm-hmm. um, which I applied to and got into. Um, Can you describe what that is? Yeah, so it's a, it's a group of only 20 to 30 students get in every year from the entire UW population. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just kind of a, like, almost like an honors program for mm-hmm. entrepreneurship. Um, and that, that program has been the source of all of kind of my opportunity. Um, that helped me get into the business school by being in that program. It helped me uh, connect into the industry. I've done internships with local angel investment groups. I've been able to build my network and build my connections with people uh, out of that program. It got me my first uh, internships, um, which also led to other internships. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it also has this really cool connection where they bring in entrepreneurs, investors, advisors to talk to students about their experiences and about kind of, you know, what to do, what not to do. Mm -hmm. Um, So that... That was huge. So I always knew I would do entrepreneurship. That's, like, why I chose Seattle. Um, and that's why I chose the University of Washington out of the colleges to go to. And then – but, I, yeah, I mean, I had no idea it would be cold brew coffee. Yeah. yeah. So Lavin is uh, campus-wide, mm-hmm. right? It's You don't have to be a business school Yeah. And that's major. actually really cool about it is that it is uh, multidisciplinary. Yeah. Um, and so there's a lot of engineers. There's a lot of, um, like, arts, communication – uh, just not just business. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is the entrepreneurship track in the business program. Uh, but by being in the program, uh, the Lavin Entrepreneurship Program, you can come in and do the entrepreneurship classes and do the entrepreneurship track without being in the business school. Okay. So it's kind of letting you get that business experience in your other like degree. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so a, a lot of the, the workshops, the Ikigai workshops that will run, yeah. there's, I think in every single one I've had so far, there's always a student yeah. in the workshop. And it seems, so I'm, uh, for, for you, when you entered um, this entrepreneurship class, you were a junior, is that right? That was your junior year? Um, let's see. So yeah, so I kind of had a weird, uh, I did running start in Washington, mm-hmm. which lets you go to college for your junior and senior year of high school. So I went to Eastern Washington University. I'm from Spokane. And then I transferred those credits into UW. So actually, my UW, my first year of UW, I did the summer quarter before my fall quarter. Um, I did early fall start, and then I did fall quarter, and then I did winter quarter to get all of the prereqs in to apply for the business school kind of my freshman year. Okay. And so I did all of that, and then I got into the Lavin Entrepreneurship Program. Um, so I actually graduated in three years. Um, so I did that, and then... Uh, did the business school, did all of my prereqs out of the way, did the entrepreneurship track. And then at the end of the entrepreneurship track, right when the company was created, right when we were continuing on and I was still doing internships, I decided to do another year. So I was about to graduate in two years because I'd had those two years oh, of running wow. start. Wow. Um, and then I added finance and information systems 
because I realized the degree I had gotten was a degree in creating your own job. <laughs> and I was about to graduate with no job. Um, <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'll get a finance and information systems you know, track addition to that. I'll build my business degree so that I have some kind of safety net, some fallback in kind of a typical industry area. Yeah. Um, and I got the experience of finance and information systems, which has def- definitely helped me in building your own company. There is so much finance. There's mm-hmm. so many pr- like accounting, pro forma, figuring out uh, you know margins and different, yeah, so there's been a lot of help. I'm really glad I did the finance track as well. Um, so when you graduated, yeah. how old were you? Were you 21? I was, uh, it was like three weeks before my 21st birthday. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that was pretty intense. So um, when you went through the entrepreneurship class, the, 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 the start of all of this, yeah. how old were you then? Um, I was, let's see, so I was uh, like 18. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, okay, well, so, I mean, the, the question still applies, but so, you know, there, it's it seems that there are a lot of students that are trying to figure out what they want to do. And it's, this is a very small sample uh, size, but it seems like a lot of those that are hitting that point is around the junior year, right? It's like, okay, got to figure out my internship before my senior year and then hopefully provide an opportunity to get a job after I leave. And then there's some who are just kind of like, I don't want, I've got, I'm going on this path toward this major. Yeah. I, not even sure if I want to pursue that, and now I feel compelled to go into this internship. And, all right, so can yeah. you just talk through your decision-making process? I mean, I think yours is a little bit different because you were at a accelerating at a pretty high velocity, but can you just talk through your process of getting to where you are? Totally. Um, I guess I've always been incredibly driven towards entrepreneurship, just both in my nature, but then also towards like almost freedom. Because the way I view it is like having the control and the power over my own life and my own experience and my own kind of work. Um, so I, I kind of have a unique um, perspective on that in that I was, you know, especially going into my freshman year, I'd already effectively had two years of full-time college. So it was effectively my junior year. And I knew right off the bat, like, I need to do business. I want to do business. I want to do entrepreneurship. So that's like what I need to do. And then, so that's kind of, I'd already had that that kind of two years of figuring out what do I want to do. Uh, but I've always done kind of entrepreneurial things. I, like I had my own wood, wood shop and I used to do like craft fairs. Um, I used to sell papers online um, in what high school. Mean? I used to like write college essays <laughs> online. Um, and then I used to, yeah, I mean, it, when I was a kid, I used to have like my own baking business. Um, so I did like just kind of a lot of different things and really enjoyed kind of entrepreneurship in general. Um, So yeah, so I'd had that focus. And so I think something interesting with my generation right now is the one thing we've all been told is you gotta go to college, you gotta get a degree to get a good job. Mm -hmm. Um, But if I hadn't had that drive towards entrepreneurship, it's very tough, especially at UW, for example, to do what you wanna do because you know, you're, you're thrown into this environment where there's 40,000 students on campus. You have no perspective. You're coming from high school where you haven't had kind of that experience of college. Um, and then you're thrown especially into a very high responsibility of maintaining your grades in a very, like, kind of low, like, unstructured way. Because you can decide to just not go to class, and you can decide to do this, and you have access to, you know, unlimited funds in loans um, that you don't realize at the time how dangerous that's going to be or how you're going to pay them off or the fact that you can't go bankrupt on those loans. Um, you, like, are stuck in, like, 6 to 7% interest loans. It's insane. Um, and then on top of that, at UW, they have the competitive major system, which you don't even know about when you go there. And luckily I did because I'd had, like, that experience with EWU. But I mean, can you, you can you describe that? Yeah, you have to apply is? to get into your degree, mm-hmm. and it's limited. Um, and the business school at at UW, which is you know, I understand why they do it. I mean, you have to have kind of some limitation. You can only have so many classes and so many professors, um, and you have to kind of maintain some level of like quality in that. Um, but it's like there's like a fifteen percent acceptance rate mm-hmm. for the business school, 
inside UW. So that's a stage two application. Exactly. You, you get accepted to UW, and then you and then you apply again to, and to then you apply do what you want to do. The path, yeah, the, yeah. The track. And there's there's some some competitive majors have like you can uh, it's, I forget what it's called but it's like first year acceptance mm -hmm. so some some individuals they will send like a pre acceptance into the program mm -hmm. but for everyone else you go there like I have friends that did two years of UW got all the debt and then like transferred to a different school because they couldn't get into the program they wanted to do mm -hmm. or they went to a trade school because like they couldn't get into the program they wanted to right. do and on top of that they didn't necessarily know <laughs> the program that they wanted to do. Right. It's just kind of a very interesting like crunch of like forcing people to figure out what they want to do when they have no perspective. Yeah. And then you can't even get an internship until you're in your program. So it's like, you know, you could do all this time and it's like, you know, if you want to do a business internship, they only accept juniors and seniors who are in the program or they mm -hmm. only accept, you know, when you're an engineer, you can't say I'm like pre-business. I mean, you can try, but then you're competing against all these people that are business. Right. Um, so it's just like a very interesting, it's, a, it's tough because people don't, are given this like level of freedom where they d haven't had that experience before yeah. and they're thrown into kind of a really kind of tough situation that is going to be very hard for this generation to figure out. Yeah, yeah. So your your path has always been entrepreneurship, and just coffee yeah. presented. It, it was um, coffee became the vehicle for you to express your entrepreneurship interest. Absolutely is that fair. Okay. Yeah. Um, so while you were in school, how did you how did you balance running a business? Uh, and going to school and tr trying to graduate and get all your credits finished yeah. up, like how uh, running orders all over the the Northwest, like how did you how did you do that? To be honest, school <laughs> was my lowest priority. <laughs> um, my goal with school was to get the diploma. It was yeah. just to get the degree yeah. and to get that piece of paper um, to get kind of the affirmation of like a college degree mm -hmm. in my mind what's always been more important is is like experience so i know that as long as i have that degree even if my grades are very far below another candidate if i've had three to five more internship experiences than them or you know if i've run my own company mm -hmm. i'm going to be in a stronger position if i need to look for a job right. um, so that's been kind of my focus is is focusing on those life experiences because for me as a person, I don't learn well in an academic environment. I kind of just do what I need to do, but I learn by doing. And that's where entrepreneurship has always been like more educational for me as well. Mm -hmm. The creative company class was hands down favorite class UW ever. Mm -hmm. Obviously it created my job too, but it's yeah. it was truly experiential learning. And it's a kind of risky thing for UW to do. It's a very interesting class where you know there's not a lot of there's a lot of gray area because they're giving these students the ability to run a business under UW's umbrella. Mm -hmm. And it's, yeah, it's just very interesting. So I think it's a really cool thing, though, because you're giving students the, act, like, the actual opportunity to go out and learn and build stronger individuals and have to actually kind of not, like, suffer, but, like, struggle, mm -hmm. where it's not just this true, like, structured environment. Um, in a similar vein, when it comes to, like, time, I've always hated when people say that they don't have time. Everyone has time. It's just, where do you want to put your time? And that's right. the truth. It's not that I don't have time to do school. It's that I'm not using my time to do school. And I just would allocate my time towards the things that I was either interested in or like was motivated for or that I thought would be just stronger for the future because there's very great diminishing marginal returns to get better grades. Right. It's like I was, I could do kind of the bare minimum to get like, you know, minim like middle of the pack and focus on that and then take all of the extra time to build my resume, to build my life, to build my opportunities. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that was a way better like kind of strategic use of time. Was it, and that was a, it sounds like that was a philosophy going in before Seattle Strong Coffee yeah. was even a yeah. an opportunity. I mean, I did what I needed to do to get into the business school and to graduate. And I didn't have bad grades. Um, I did focus on making sure that I got like good enough grades to like graduate and, and do it the right way. Mm -hmm. But it's just like the amount of time it takes to get a three or a four oh or whatever, it's just not worth it. Because mm -hmm. one, I'm not learning very well. Two, I'm like just getting better grades. And then like 
three, that doesn't help me that much in the future because you get good grades to get your good first job. Right. And then from there, they will never look at your grades again. Right. It doesn't make any sense. When did Seattle Strong Coffee become a reality? Like when did when did that point hit you or hit you and your co-founders that, hey, this is something that we're going to do full time after we get the diploma? Yeah, um, it's uh, it's weird because because of that corporate account, which we are incredibly lucky for um, to have gotten that opportunity. It just kind of like it wasn't really a question of whether we we're going full time. It was just like, let's see what happens. Mm -hmm. And it was also like it was just very cool. So I don't think we even really thought about it at the time. Um, it was just like they still were placing orders and we didn't even think about whether or not we were going to fulfill them. We're just like, we have to fulfill them. Um, so then we just kind of like kept testing the industry, figuring out the right way to do things and like learning how to do sales, for example, which is just like incredibly stressful and incredibly tough, you know, cold calling, cold calling in person, following up persistence. And that's just like one aspect. Like we've had a crash course of just like everything based on this experience. Um, yeah. Uh, so it's. I don't know. We didn't really plan to go full time. It just kind of happened. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, it really hit me that I was full time in this company like three or four months after I was full time in the company. Yeah. And it was like I'd graduated. It was kind of tough because like I had graduated a little bit early. So like all of my friends were still in school and I was like, what am I doing? And like there's all this stress of like we have to get cash flow positive and we have to do the right things and we have to like not mess up. And then, like, you know, I'm, I'm missing all kinds of fun stuff. Like, all my right. friends are still, you know, enjoying college. <laughs> and I'm like, I have a job, I guess. And then, um, yeah, and then, like, three or four months after I went full time, it just really hit me. Like, if this is going to work, I can't just wait for it to become cash flow positive. Like, I have to go all in and, like, make it work mm -hmm. and, to, and to commit to it. Yeah. Um, and just kind of changing it in my mind from that class project, that fun experience, you know, the learning experience to like, this is a, like my responsibility. And this is like, uh, you know, I have more freedom in a lot of ways because I can kind of plan my own schedule. I can work. I hit stride at midnight. That's my favorite time to work. I love to just stay up and just like do everything at midnight. Um, and I couldn't do that in like a different environment where it's like nine to five. But I also have less freedom because if something comes up on a weekend and I have to cancel all my friends or my family or whatever, I have to do that. Mm -hmm. That's what it takes. Yeah. Um, but I also saw kind of this, this reality of like, I could go get a job nine to five, but then I'm probably gonna be working nine to five for 70 to 80% of my life. Um, and I just, I would much rather work harder now to put myself in a better situation later mm -hmm. um, and to kind of miss out on a lot of fun and a lot of opportunities now to have more fun and more opportunities later mm -hmm. and to continue to do, I mean, that's in my mind. Well, do you what, feel like yeah. you're missing out on stuff? I mean, there, pr there probably yeah. is, but there, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that's, that's balanced with yeah. experiences that you're getting that probably most totally. people your age are not getting. Absolutely. And I, that's where I think it's worth it. I yeah. think it's definitely like a good investment of my time and energy um, and I, I love this company. I mean, it's my company, you know, it's our company. Mm -hmm. We've, we've built it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I miss out on a lot of, uh, fun experiences with yeah. like, you know, still yeah. being in college for another year, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, yeah. which is, you know, awesome, but it'd be short sighted, I think, to, to turn up the opportunity with Seattle strong, um, to focus on those. Yeah. Uh, so back to this, you said, after you graduated, it yeah. was three to four months in, and this reality was there. A, was there an actual moment, or was it just a slow build? And you woke up one morning, and you're like, "Wow, this is, this is real." Was there? Can you can you describe that? Yeah, it was a soul search. Um, because especially after graduation in the summer, it was like complete and total freedom. Um, like even more so than in college because it was like my company and I've graduated and like I'm done and I wanted to celebrate because I'd worked like really hard so I wanted to relax so I wanted to like hang out in the sun the Seattle sun which is like rare so I wanted to enjoy that um yeah it was just a soul search because I just kind of I kept expecting it to become cash flow positive based on kind of a lot of the things we had set up but when they weren't coming through it was like I was like, if I'm going to do this, I have to go out there and put more things in place, mm -hmm. put more irons in the fire so that this company can be successful. Mm -hmm. um, because I was kind of waiting to see, like, will this company be 
you know, is this something I can commit to? Like, I wanted it to be kind of successful before I would commit to it, um, which was, like, naive um, and was just kind of, like, that decision of, like, is this what I actually want to do? Like, because I've always maybe romanticized the tech industry, but I've always enjoyed kind of efficiency and technology and a lot of the things that are going on in that industry. Um, so it's like, do I want to do coffee? Uh, and that was, like, a big question. Um, and and I, to... To tell you the truth, in the future, like, I don't know if I want to do coffee forever. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think that's the case. I mean, I just think that I'm really happy to be providing a product that people want and to continually keep recognizing how much that impacts people, yeah. when it, especially with food and beverage. Um, but, yeah, so I just – it was a soul-search moment and a lot of stress, honestly, just a lot of stress of, like, money's running out of the bank mm -hmm. and not enough money's coming into the bank. And what are we gonna do? And do I need to get another job if, if we can't do this? Um, so I just kind of made that decision. I don't know exactly when, it just kind of was a feeling. It was like, if I'm gonna do this, if I'm gonna do anything, I have to fully commit to it. Yeah. Um, and then I did, and, and then we did reach cash flow positive. Mm -hmm. you know, we, we're a small business. Uh, we are successful in the greater Seattle area, and we have a lot of opportunity to grow down the coast and eventually beyond. Um, and one thing that I'm super proud of is, you know, I didn't even think about this until my dad told me about it, uh, is creating jobs. And so I, when, when he'd originally said it, I was thinking like, okay, like, yes, hiring people, creating jobs, but like, that's like a ways out. We're mm -hmm. still a small business. Mm -hmm. But then he like illustrated for me that, no, I'm not just creating like one, I'm creating my job and we're creating our own jobs, which I think is really cool. That's what the, you know, the United States of America is about. That's what capitalism is about is good business and, you know, industry. Um, but I'm creating jobs for, you know, roasters. I'm creating jobs for like, you know, growers, bean mm -hmm. growers, you know, yep. the transportation industry, our distributors, you know, I'm helping fuel the tech industry mm -hmm. that I'm interested in. Right. And I'm, I'm doing all of this kind of good, positive influence in the economy. Um, and, and I'm not like depleting it, you know, yeah. I'm not just like, I, I'm helping build the economy and helping build industry, um, which is something that is like really important to me. How how big is that philosophy um, in just the mindset? In I, I don't want to just like cast the generation, but just it, for the co cohort that you are in, um, like you think about the nine people, or or maybe the friends that you made at Lavin. Just that that philosophy in general um, is this an Evan specific or even unique uh, philosophy or is this something bigger part of a larger movement as far as like the industry kind of gr doing that or what do you mean uh so i mean um thinking about so so at at, at its core seattle strong coffee is a coffee product but what you what you just described right there was um, much bigger than just a product that someone consumes to get a little boost in energy in yeah. the day, right? You talked about the roasters, you talked about jobs, you talked about wellness, you, uh, how it fuels the tech industry. So it's a very holistic perspective. And I'm curious, when you think about others that were in school with you at Lavin, um, others that you meet in the community that are doing similar entrepreneurship types, type of pursuits, do you see that type of philosophy um, in others? Is it is it uh, kind of a generational perspective? I think yeah. I think so, but I think it's it's in the same way that it was for me until I was in this position and until it was brought to my attention of that it's there but it's buried. Because in truth, I think a lot of entrepreneurs are really like in it for themselves, which I think is totally fair. Like, and I think that's that's what capitalism is about is to build your own business and to be successful. And I think there's this really weird kind of negative tone about capitalism because of big business and because of like too big to fail, massive business, just kind of unethical, immoral practices. Mm -hmm. When in truth, like the way our world works and should work and is supposed to work, at least in this system, is good business, small business, and to kind of go out there, fight and scrap and, and build yourself. Um, and I, I did hear a lot of times at UTUB, uh, just how many people, I remember in this class, actually in creative company class, everyone gave a presentation about themselves um, and what they were interested in. 
almost every single person said they wanted to have an impact in the world, like a positive impact to make the world a better place. And I, I don't think that they don't, but I think that, especially with like my generation, it's almost like that's the thing you're, you need to say, like that's what you're supposed to say. And, and what I, like for me, how I've always viewed it is like, well, no, like I'm living my life. I want to build my life and I want to be successful and I want to do great things and big things in a good way. And that's, I think, a perfectly noble thing. And what's really interesting, too, is kind of this view of, like, almost like kind of charity and philanthropy in that, like, there's this expectation where um, if you're building a business, you have to be giving back. And, and what I think is interesting is, like, not that that's wrong, mm-hmm. um, and I think that you should, but I think that there's this weird kind of emphasis on that in, like, you have to be doing it at all times. Like, we're a small business. Like, we're barely able to survive right now, and we're doing a good thing. But I think there is this positive influence where we have good practices, and we do the right things, and we're focusing on sustainability and getting better and bigger as a business. There is, like, almost like a philanthropy in that. Mm-hmm. There is a nobility in that, or there should be. Yeah. Um, and then when we are, like, truly successful, I think there is this expectation for philanthropy that I think is right. Um, but at the end of the day, we're still building. Like, we're not ready to, like, we can't afford to, like, do much other than just build. Right. Um, so when I did my personal presentation, it was funny because I was the only person in the class that got up there. And I stood in front of everybody and was going through, like, my about me and the class and the team. And I was like, first and foremost, I want to make money. <laughs> I was like, I... I'm greedy. I want to make money. I want to be successful in this world. And I'd said that to everybody. I was just like, that is my primary focus is to be a successful capitalist in like a captain of industry type of way, which I think is something that's missing. It's like, there's no one out there. That's like, just like, there's a lot of negative aspects to capitalism. But there can be a lot of good aspects too. It just takes that like kind of ethical and moral boundary and then just kind of emphasis on good business. Right. Um, and I do want to have an impact in the world. I do want to do good things, and I do want to like make the world a better place. But I, I want to do that when I can't, when I'm ready for it, not like you know right now, because right now I want to put myself in a position to be able to do that, right. um, and to enjoy my life, you know, to enjoy, you know, what life has to offer. Right. It's short. It's you know incredibly short. Um, and so like even right now, it's just going quicker and quicker every day. I said on my phone. A few months ago, exactly, let me pull it up, um, 165 days ago, Mm -hmm. I was sitting at home, and I was thinking about it, and I was, like, trying to determine how time passes. 165 days ago, I set in my phone a certain day, and I just see that day counter tick up every single day. It's been 165 days. That's half a year that have just flown by. What was the significance of that mark? Just when I decided to do it. I just wanted to see, you know, how quickly does a month pass? You know, how quickly does a year pass? It's been half a year, and it just it feels like that, you know? And then I I also set a different day, you know, assuming that I retire or die when I'm 65, I have about 15,000 days left. (laughs) Um, You know, I've I've already gone through 150. How many days? days? About 15,775 days. Okay. All right. Um, Thank you for sharing this day with me. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And so I'm trying to be more kind of, you know, emphasizing the importance of like the now and the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's and trying to be aware of how quickly it goes. <laughs> that's powerful. That's very powerful. Um, so what does the future look like for Seattle Strong Coffee? If you're looking out three years, yeah. what, uh, what does the future look like? I don't know. Um, I'm excited for it, though, um, because there's still we're just getting into retail right now. And that's where we've always wanted to be. I mean, strategically, we've always wanted to build the business in corporate to kind of like pay for the retail growth. Um, retail is super expensive. It's super tough. It's hard to get into. It's hard to talk to the right people. It's hard to convince them that people want your product. Um, I have no idea how it's going to do in retail. I'm optimistic. I'm hopeful. And I think that especially when people try it, they'll see the clear difference and they'll see what we stand for. Um, you know, energizing action and innovation about cold brew as a segment, as its own thing, the right cold brew, the way it's meant to be. Um, I mean, we really want to get into California. We really want to grow down to California. We want to work with the tech industry in California. Um, And we want to be available, you know, anywhere and everywhere. And I mean, I guess my dream for this company is to build a massive branding company. Um, I want to build a huge uh, coffee company that has that impact in the world of just being a good business. 
um, and that provides something that people want. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, that is theoretically how capitalism is supposed to work. I provide worker value for kind of money, an interpretation of that value, to then trade it for the things that I want as value. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, if someone works and they want an enjoyable coffee experience, that's how it works, mm -hmm. is they trade that value for that value. Um, and so, I, yeah, I just want to, yeah, build a, a good and big company. Okay. What about, um, so if there's a sophomore, freshman, junior, someone in undergrad that's trying to figure out what they want to do, is there a, you know, some guiding principles that you would tell them to, to focus on or a message that you would send their direction? I can't remember exactly who said it. I think it actually may have been you um, at a panel that we were talking about. Because um, someone asked that question is like, how do you determine what you want to do? And it wasn't, I don't know if this was you, um, but tell me Prob if it was. Probably not. <laughs> but it wasn't, it wasn't focus on the thing you want to do, focus on the things you want to do. And so like for me with entrepreneurship, it's, it's not that like entrepreneurship is my goal. It's like the things under entrepreneurship are my goal. So it's like the freedom, kind of the control over it, the, you know, I capture the reward for my own work and my effort and that the more work I put in, the more reward and effort. Um, you know, I really don't necessarily enjoy like finance and accounting. It's a part of entrepreneurship. Mm. It's necessary. I have a good, good friends that love finance and accounting and that's what they enjoy. So that's what they focus on. So it's not so much that like I want to be an accountant or I want to be an entrepreneur. But like figure out the things that you enjoy doing and then look for the jobs. You're never probably going to be 100% happy with everything about a job. But look for the jobs that like do at least most of what you enjoy. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Um, okay, so just in closing, um, yeah, are there any closing remarks about Seattle Strong? Yeah, um, Seattle, I, I need to rephrase that. Are there any closing remarks that you have about Seattle Strong Coffee? Um, yeah, if you, I think it's just a really good coffee. So if you haven't tried it, um, try it. <laughs> Give it a shot. Uh, you and where, know, can, where can people find the product uh, at retail? They don't work at those tech firms. It's, uh, it's primarily, yeah, it's, it's Metropolitan Market, it's Amazon Go, Conan Steiner, and the New Seasons. And then we're launching with a bunch of independents. The best way is just seattlestrong.coffee, our mm -hmm. website. We have a store locator. Um, it's pretty much only available up in the, the greater uh, Seattle area mm -hmm. in the Pacific Northwest. Um, so if you don't live there, you're unlucky for now, but we'll bring it to you. Um, can people order online? We can't, uh, not with the cold process? brew. Oh, we yeah. do have our coffee yeah. beans, but yeah, with the whole refrigeration, yeah. we just, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, okay. But yeah, I guess what I would say is if you like what we're trying to do and what we're about and you want a good coffee, it's kind of using your, like, vote with your money, I guess, mm -hmm. you know? If you like Stumptown, buy Stumptown, mm -hmm. you know? But we want to provide what we, what we wanted and what we think other people want. And then it's just, yeah, it's just kind of a cool thing, I guess, yeah. So the, uh, what was the website again? Where uh, SeattleStrong.coffee. Okay, SeattleStrong.coffee. And are there other areas where people can find you, or is that the best place to go? That's the best place to go. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we want it available in your office. We want it available wherever you want it and whenever you want it, if you want it. Okay. All right. Thanks, Evan. Thank you, Sam. Appreciate your time. Yeah, I appreciate your time as well.